Okay, and that sign says arugula. Arugula, no, that's a type of lettuce. That, that, hold on, that can't be right. Hold on. Ah, it says applause. Right, applause. Okay, all right, Greg, could you do me? Thank you, Greg, flicking that light sign. Thank you. All right, here we go. Now, remember, you're all a big part of Weiwo TV. So the better you are, the better BJ is. Okay, now you see this nice lady? She's giving me a sign, and that sign says we are on in 10 seconds. Okay, so get ready to have a good time. Joining BJ on the show today will be J.L. Johnson. All right, here we go. All right, everyone, quiet on set, please. In five, four, three, two. Hey, and welcome to another edition of What Are You Working On? I'm here with my guest, JL. Do you prefer JL? Is that like a like an initial thing, or do you what do you go by usually? So, I, how are you? I do prefer JL. Okay. Um, I'm trying to have a cool author's name, so I'm running with it. It, it is my 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 first and middle initial, though. Nice. Did you? Okay, so let me ask you because I, I went through this as well as an author. Um, I was told my name was too long. So like they're like no Brandon Mendelson is is way too long it won't fit on the book cover it's too much to say in the media uh, so I shortened it to BJ was that sort of what your thinking was with shortening it to JL Yes but not because my name is long but because it's very very common my name is Jeffrey and so Jeffrey Johnson is a, a fairly common name so I figured how can I spruce up this otherwise very boring name and. Uh, JL is what I can't. I ran with. Nice, nice. And Jeffrey Johnson sounds like a superhero name too. <laughs> <laughs> so I get I get one of two things. Actually, over the years, I have gotten superhero, or I get a uh, coming to America reference. Ah, okay. <laughs> so you know, neither neither are bad. Right, but, that's um, right. I guess considering that I'm I'm writing comics, but not writing superhero comics as of yet, it's probably the right choice. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so let's let's get into that a little bit. So, um, you know, typically I ask everyone first what what is their day job because I like to contrast, you know, the day job if there is a difference to the thing that they're working on that they they want to share. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your day job first. Yeah, for sure. Uh, by day, I run a CrossFit gym. Um, I am you know, a head coach at a local gym. I've been a member of this gym for about 10 years now. Um, so I coach about 20 classes a week. I have five or six personal clients and I do what we in the CrossFit world call programs. So that's really just designing our workout focus for, you know, whatever cycle we're working on. So if we have a, a few movements that we're focusing on for a couple of months at a time, I figure out how uh, day by day, class by class, we're going to progress from point A to point B. That's awesome. Now, let me ask you, because that's so that's very different from comics, right? So, so tell me, is there like an overlap, do you find, between the two? Do you find like the skill set from being a coach and doing CrossFit transfers to doing your comics? I, I I could fancy it up and, and, and say yes, but it actually it goes a step further to my day job before I was a coach. And I was a teacher, um, a classroom teacher before I decided to coach CrossFit and before I ever dove into any writing seriously. Um, and But I, I do think that my ability to backwards map a lesson plan and a, a curriculum and now a workout schedule has something to do with the way that I can see the trajectory of a story and whether it's a character arc or a plot line. So yes and no. I mean, obviously, just because you can 
come up with a decent way to teach a kid ABCs and one, two, threes doesn't mean you can write, you know, Sandman, but <laughs> there, there, there are definitely some, some, some carryover for, for sure. Now tell me what you're working on now that you want to let people know about. So I'm working on any the rule of nine, which is an epic fantasy comic series that has been nestled into my brain for the last four or five years. Uh, I've always been a fan of fantasy and I've, uh, as a kid, I was a fan of comics, walked away from it for a while, uh, came upon The Walking Dead in the early 2010s, and fell in love again with the genre. Uh, and it was the scope of the story that Kirkman and company were telling um, that really kind of reminded me, or I guess really taught me for the first time what a comic could be. Um, you know, yes, it was serialized, it came out monthly, but, you know, those characters were with us for a long time. Um, and they were so ingrained in the, in the minds of the readers that the television show or three of them are still on. Um, and so I, I recognize that you could tell a very large and, and, and broad story using the comic book medium that didn't need to be wrapped up super neatly every 30 or so pages. So uh, I decided that the fantasy story that was on my heart, um, you know, needed to be introduced to the world. And, and I find that what The Walking Dead did with the zombie slash horror genre um, is really what I always envisioned for Ennead, which is a story that lasts, a story that isn't afraid to take its time, a story that hopefully resonates with his readers uh, for years to come. That's awesome. It reminds me, from, from what you're describing, it sounds structurally almost like Bone. Was that something that you had gone back and looked at as you started down this path? It's, it's definitely a, a, a touch point. I mean, there are a few, you know, when I think about comics specifically, um, even, even one now, uh, something like birthright is something that I think of and just it, it's ambition as it pertains to the, the fantasy genre. Um, I, I think about more so though than actual comics i I go back to the novels that i read you know i I love lord of the rings i love game of thrones i'm currently uh reading brandon sanderson's stormlight archive so not that i look down on comics but i would be lying if i said most of my inspiration to tell a fantasy story came from comics no that's great so so what brought you what was like the because every every story is sort of dictated by the medium it's told in, right? So what what was that leap to this? This needs to be a comic as opposed to something that's more long form. Well, so it goes back to something that um, I've I've probably watched every George R. R. Martin interview on the internet, and it comes back to something that he says fairly often, which is uh, the tale grows in the telling. And I knew that the story of Ennead, which really just started looking at a king and his sons, um, when I, when it first popped into my mind, uh, was bound to be more than that. And then as I, you know, over the years just wrestled with how to tell the story, I kept coming back to the comic book genre because of how freeing it can be to tell a story over that long period of time. So again, uh, the walking dead I brought up, but even, you know, Superman and Batman and, and all of these iconic characters have been in our hearts and minds for so long. And so it's this idea of an unlimited budget per se, right? If I want something to blow up on the page, you know, it's not a couple million dollars. It's however much (laughs) the artist, you know, and the colorist page rate is. So it was really, I wanted to be able to freely 
flesh out this world of Amashik, which, if I may, that's the name of the world that Ennead takes place in, was actually something that I had world-built separately from the story of the king and, and his sons that I just vaguely referenced. So I built out this world with cultures and languages and religions and factions and magic. And I was just doing it for world building's sake. And then one day, so if there was any kind of crossover moment, it was, wow, I have this world that I could tell a story in. Um, what's the best way to tell the story? And, and that was how I landed on comics. Hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while and I haven't been the best dad especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay, too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like, for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. And if you don't give B.J. your money, you and I are going to have problems. Big ones. Commercials suck, and hopefully one day we won't need them. But until that day comes, we have bills to pay, brother. What the fuck is this copy? I, I don't know, man. BJ wrote it, and I think he was high when he did it. How do you know he was high? I just, I read through it, and I just have a feel. I don't know, man. Just read it. <laughs> what kind of bills do we have to pay? Well, for starters, you wouldn't believe how much it costs to feed a super intelligent ape who wants to kill Superman? Yes. At first he said he would pay BJ rent, but then some asshole told the ape about squatters', squatters rights? Yep. And he's a supervillain, you know, so he stopped paying rent, and now we all kind of work for him? He's a terrible boss. One time he was eating some guy's face and just left the rest of him in the middle of the floor. I guess it's better than working at Amazon, though? Anyway, the apes got this cool-ass setup in the basement of BJ's mom's house. You should see it. There's this kick-ass pool down there. I have no idea how you get a huge pool in the basement of a small house, but he found a way. Separate lines, he found a way. Now, if only... The ape could remember to take out the garbage in his office before he leaves for the weekend. Everyone else does it. That includes Stephen Wheat, who works in accounting and shits out of his mouth. <laughs> anyway, that's what's going on here in Harriman, New York, home, home of the... Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure he was high, but let's just get back to it. <laughs> now, let's get back to the show. Now, let me ask you, what's what's that drive that that makes you want to do this? You know, like why it sounds reductive to say, why do you do what you do? But that's always what I what I like to find out. Like, what is it that that's sort of fueling this need to to make art and tell these stories? Well, from a just to to, to stay with the, the storytelling bit and, and kind of diving into Amashik, you know, whenever I pick up a 
a fantasy novel that I end up falling in love with is because I can see myself in the world. Um, you know, I, I can I can envision myself having conversations with the characters, or being in the taverns, or being you know on the battlefield. I feel like most, if not all really quality fantasy or at least fantasy that I like. I won't claim that it's all quality, but fantasy that I like, it pulls you in and it, and you end up on the page. And so from a storytelling aspect, I just love hanging out in Amashik. Um, I, I, again, I, I world built Amashik over uh, the course of four or five years. And, you know, I was, I was always interested in what people who worship mother would be like and, um, you know, what the language of Nazola would actually sound like if I tried to craft it or, you know, get someone else to craft it. Uh, I always wondered what the, the, this concept of the separation, which is this magical parting of a Pangea-like continent would have done to the cultures, um, yeah. And then one of the things that, um, you know, just kept coming back that I kept coming back to was how do I get from one side of this map to the other? And that was where most of the characters and their plot lines came from. I, I wanted to explore very particular parts of Amashik with very with a very particular lens. And that was where my characters came from. That's very cool. And so I kind of think I know the answer to this, but I, I just want to ask, like, who who is the ideal reader like as you're as you're like exploring this world and building it do you have in mind like the ideal person that's going to encounter this and love it absolutely and and you hear this a lot when you read books on writing or you listen to lectures on the topic or wherever you go and it's you know write something that you would love so the ideal reader is is honestly me when i first sat down to write this i mentioned this that i always would see myself on the page. And I, I have to know just from spending a couple of minutes here and there on Reddit over the years, um, that there are a lot of folks out there like that. We, we can come up with all types of fan theories and, uh, you know, conspiracies. We recognize when authors get the eye colors of horses wrong and, and, and we're just so entrenched in these worlds. And I, I knew that if I could take the time and craft a fantasy world worth spending time in that every fantasy nerd out there um, would at least want to take a peek when they got wind of, of what I was putting together. So honestly, when I say me, I mean that lifelong tried and true fan of anything fantasy, whether it's a TV show, a novel, a comic, a kid's show, uh, those folks. Now, when you, when you talk about all the, the world building, I know there's a few tools out there that people use, but was there... A, like a specific tool that you've used in your creative process that that was really helpful. So when actually building out Amashik, I'm assuming you mean something like World Anvil. Yeah, right. yeah. So World Anvil was actually where Amashik was first crafted. Um, never made it public. It was just something that I did. You know, I I wish I could shout out the DM who made all the. Uh, they 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 had a series of videos that I remember watching years ago. I'm blanking on their YouTube page. Probably should have looked at that. But long story short, they inspired me to craft a map and to craft terrain and cultures and, and all these things. And, and they were being sponsored by World Anvil at the time. So I jumped on to World Anvil and I was just playing around. And ultimately that morphed into uh, what, what I have today. And, and after the story became less about world building and more about character and plot, uh, there's a, an app out there called Bear, uh, which is really just kind of a 
task manager app, really like a, a fancy notes app, but it works perfectly for the way that uh, I write. And you can have a bunch of tabs open and um, you can have the main, uh, your, your main story and the main body of the, of the screen. And then you have all these tabs flying all over the place of characters and locations. And it just, it was scatterbrained enough to work for me. Well, so speaking of which, uh, tell me a little bit about like keeping track of these things and, and your process in them. Cause it sounds like, I, I mean, I can't, I write stupid jokes on the internet, right? Like, so I, I, I couldn't imagine having to, to carry all of this, the, the knowledge and the language and like just the depth uh, of these worlds. So can you just walk us a little bit through your creative process of like using these tools and then uh, just writing and exploring and really kind of defining things for the world of the comic? Absolutely. Um you know, so uh, just to define Bear a little bit better, you know, again, imagine being able to open up, you know, 10, 20 different, just small little windows. And, and on each you have, um, so on one you have the arc one major beat. So you have the arc one synopsis. And on another one you have all the different locations that you're going to visit and in, in, in that arc and, and their cultures and their population sizes and their language and their factions, if there are any, their affiliations with magic or political regimes, if there are any. And then on another tab, you have the characters in a given scene. And, and so Anatu is the name of my main protagonist. And you have Anatu's backstory. You have Anatu's major beats for plot development. Um, and then on another tab, you have maybe some antagonists that you want Anatu to run into, but you're not necessarily sure where. Um, but on another tab, you probably have a picture of your map. So you know exactly where he is in space. So then you go back to that other tab. Okay. Well, he's at Riverburg. So what faction is in Riverburg and what faction would disagree with his way of life in Riverburg? Oh, this faction. Oh. And then before you know it, you're, you're on the page and you've got your conflict and, and you're moving and you're shaking. I, re- I really need to get on this. <laughs> this, this sounds so much better than, than like the stupid an- analog process. That I use. Yeah, I'm, I'm not analog at all. I like to describe the way that I think is a web and the nice. way a spider can move from any strand on the web to the next. That's how my mind works. Sometimes it's a curse. <laughs> well, so, so let me ask you in, in terms of like, how do we, how do we keep track of all, all this as readers? Like where, where can we find you? Where, where can we find the comic? Where, how can we support you? So right now, my uh, Instagram and Twitter are the main places to go if you wanted to get in touch with me immediately. And that's Ennead uh, underscore comic on both platforms. I also have Ennead comic as my main website. And most of my comics, um, not most, all of my comics have been produced and and published and distributed via Kickstarter so far. So I launched the first Kickstarter campaign in October of 2020. Um, I'll be going back next month uh, where you will be able to pick up books one through seven in a collected trade, the ARC One volume, um, which is 163 pages, I believe. And in terms of keeping track of it all, I mean, one of the things that a backer, and this is the great thing about being online and being on the ground with readers at this early stage someone reached out and they said hey i'm really enjoying the story but i'm struggling to put things together i put a map in the back of all my comics like any tried and true fan of fantasy nice. would <laughs> nice. but 
I didn't have character markers and I had always thought about it. Yeah, I got to get a journey map out there. Maybe I'll get it on my website and maybe I'll, and you know, my, one of my good friends who really helped me kick off this project, um, through a series of kind of coffee date, work date type events, um, a couple of years ago, he is a developer and, and he, you know, I, I got tired of asking him for free stuff. So <laughs> I decided to, to pay the, uh, talented, uh, map maker that I'm working with to help me, uh, craft a journey map. So that, that's kind of, yes, you can find me on all those social channels and on my website. Once you get into the story, that's the best way to, to, to follow along. That sounds great. Now, let me ask you, this is very important. Uh, it's always the last question I ask people, if you can give someone a plug or, or someone that you think I should talk to, who would that person be? Oh man, that's, that's a lot of pressure because about three <laughs> names, halfway through that question, three names popped into my head. Um, the, the, the first one that comes to mind is, um, probably the next most influential person in getting me going. His name is Stephen A.M. Johnson, and he is the author and creator of a series called The Everborn Saga. And this is a multi-platform, multi-timeline, epic fantasy manga. And it is fantastic. Um, And a lot like any of the rule of nine, he pays close attention to creating a diverse and representative fantasy world, which is what caught my eye at first. Uh, and he, he really helped pull me off the sidelines, give me the courage to create any of it. So I would definitely say Stephen first. Um, then uh, the next would be uh, Honor Vincent, who is a, a good friend that I met early on in this process. She and I tabled at New York Comic Con this past year together. She's got a historical fantasy series called Andraste and a sci-fi eco-horror um, set a few years in the future after uh, the climate climate change and a uh, huge rat and roach infestation has kind of torn New York City apart. And then last but not least is another friend that I met early on, Christina J. Moore, and she is the author of The Unseen Sun, which is this beautifully emotive fantasy tale that follows a young girl who uh, runs into some pirates who save her life. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you. That was, uh, that was the entire interview. Awesome. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? Because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan? Yeah, that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been, like right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout chewing tobacco and saying shit like, send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, the hell he is, get him in there. I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good. Hmm. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Weiwo.tv, you know what you need to do. Rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found. That'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did. You did enjoy the show, right? We're going to assume you did, because you made it to the outro. Most people don't. Be sure to follow BJ on Instagram at BJ Mendelson and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next. 
You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie. Also, only if you're going to ask him out on a date. We'll see you next time. Right?